Hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. So thankful for him today. And we get ready to start a, a new series. And uh, the, the name of the new series is very inspiring. And I feel like the lessons will be. But uh, this new series is Possessing the Promise. We know we want everything that the Lord's got for us. Every promise, the old song says, in the book is mine. The promises of God are in him, yea, and amen. And, and so I'm thankful that God has made promises for his children. And this idea we should, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Joshua and him leading Israel into the promised land. And so if like Joshua, we're going to possess our promise, we must remain steadfast in our faith and in our commitment to the Lord. God's not just going to give you his promises just because you look pretty. He's going to want you to be faithful to him. And, and we have to uh, commit ourselves to the Lord. And, and, and so today, the first lesson, the title is, Whose Report Will You Believe? And so if we are going to possess our promise like Joshua did, we must believe God's report and trust his plan. We must uh, believe that he is a faithful creator. The scripture says that we must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that sit around and do nothing. That's what it says, is it? Of them that just wish for it. He said he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so there's, uh, and that's more than that's more than wishing. That's more than wanting. There's some activity that needs to be done on our behalf to possess the promises of God. Our scripture focus is Numbers chapter 14, and we'll read this right quick: 14, 6 through 9. This is uh, after the children of Israel have sent spies into the promised land, and now they have come back and. Of course, ten have brought back an evil report, and Joshua and Caleb are pulling their hair out because they can't believe what's about to happen. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, and neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. So whose report will you believe? Let's pray for the lesson today. Jesus, we thank you for the promises that are contained in your word and that are made available to us today. Lord, let us learn in these lessons and learn through your word to trust you even more. Lord, to believe you no matter what we see, God, but to trust you and have faith in your word. Lord, bless and help me to teach your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise for his word today. Hallelujah. What a great God. What a great God. You can be seated today it must...
thank you very much, Colin. Praise the Lord. That's all right. I'll, I'll get this red mic good and anointed before we get going. <laughs> so we possessing the promises. Whose report are you going to believe? There are uh, plenty of examples even in that we know in our own personal lives of people who have overcome uh, you know adversity to go ahead and be successful in this world when they could have quit they just kept going because they believed that they could achieve what they wanted no matter what happened to them we've seen people who have been injured maybe and and paralyzed and hurt you, you read stories about people who uh, you know they're paraplegic but they didn't you know, just give up on life, and they became artists and, and speakers and travel the world and still do things that they wanted to do when they could have just quit because of adversity. And today, as we go into this lesson, we, some very famous people that we often hear about, the children of Israel, with two extremely famous men in Scripture, Joshua and Caleb, who now uh, having come back from spying out the land that God has promised, uh, cannot believe their ears at the report of these ten other people who were afraid of what they saw. Now, the thing is, is if we are ever going to possess God's promise, we must believe God's report. And when you read Scripture about uh, before you ever get to this point to where they spy the land out in the promised land, you, you're going to find that uh, God has already spoken this promise into existence. When Abraham, he spoke to Abraham, and very uh, briefly in Genesis 15, he mentions to Abraham that he's going to bring uh, the people out and, and give them a, a place that he's prepared. And then in Exodus, two times, Exodus 3 and 8, and then again, uh, the Lord reminds Moses that I'm going to bring you out of Egypt and I'm going to bring you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And then he began to list the inhabitants of the land, letting him know, and I'm going to deliver these people into your hand. So uh, in this uh, Numbers 13, we read how that Moses sends out these 12 spies to search the land, and, and they were not just anybody. It wasn't just, hey, let's take volunteers. It, these were uh, people from each tribe who were well-known and, and men of renown, and they were uh, people that uh, were looked up to, should have had great faith in God because of who they were. And uh, each one, you know, being a ruler, uh, was recognized by all the people around. Hey, these are our leaders, and they're going out to to check out the land that God has promised us, and, and so they're supposed, supposed to go and, and check out everything, come back, and give a report. Moses instructed them to see what the land was like and see whether or not the people were strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land they occupied, what kind of towns that did they live in, and were they fortified, how was the soil, was it good or bad. Uh, what the men did not know was that this would be a test of their perspective on God. Because a lot of people wonder why did they even, I've heard people say, why did they even worry about spying out the land? God had already given it to them. Why didn't they just go in? But it was the Lord who instructed Moses, send them into the land. Because God will want you to see is, is what you see, do you perceive it as being greater than my promise? 
You know, Jesus tried his disciples one time when the, there was a great multitude that needed food, and the Lord looked at uh, Philip and said, uh, let's go buy food for these people. And he said the Lord did that to prove him because he already knew what he was going to do. He wanted to see after Philip looked around and assessed the situation, what would he say? And Philip was like, if we had 200 penny worth of bread, it wouldn't be enough to feed all these people. And the Lord said, now just watch and learn. And he set them down in companies, and he began to feed them with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And so this is what he was doing with Israel. Uh, It's already been reported Moses had not kept this a secret. He had told Israel, God's going to bring us into a land flowing with milk and honey. God's going to give us this land. He's going to deliver us from all the enemies of the land. It doesn't matter what kind of cities they are because he had already told them, when you get there, and you live in houses you didn't build and cities you didn't build and you eat from vineyards you didn't plant and gardens you didn't plant, don't forget God to give it to you. So it was already known it was going to be theirs. It wouldn't have mattered how big they were, how big their armies were, how uh, mean they looked, how strong they were. It would not matter because God had already declared, I'm greater than them and I can bring you into this land and give it to you. But I want to try my people one more time and let's see what they say when they start looking through the land with their eyes of flesh. And when they come back, let's see how they react to what they've spied out. Now, the thing is, is they come back and there's 10 guys that are like, there is no way we're just grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we're going. It'll devour us. It'll eat us up. Uh, We can't go there. Yet it was just their word. They didn't bring back a giant. They didn't bring back any proof of the problem. They only brought proof of the promise. They were carrying clusters of grapes that were so big as taking you know, uh, more than one man to carry them. They were bringing back evidence of the fruit of the land. They didn't bring back any uh, physical, viable evidence to show the rest of Israel just what they said just trembling and, and upset and scared and whining and crying, and then want to stone Joshua and Caleb because they said, oh, no, we can take it. Not two men saying we're big enough on our own, but saying God is able to give us this land. And he said their defense has already departed. If God has made up his mind to bring us in here, there ain't nothing they can do that can stop us. It's kind of the same way when Jesus told uh, Peter, he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, it doesn't matter. The church should just be walking in and taking ground because there ain't nothing. The enemy's defense has already departed. Once Jesus said, I'll build this church and I'll take care of the things and, and the enemy has nowhere to stand, why are we worried? Why are we afraid of trying to take hold of the promise when God's already uh, let us know, I'm going to fight your battles. That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so we know that uh, even in, before he left, he said, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. And so uh, we have to think back. We're just, we find ourselves oftentimes in the same exact place as these 12 spies. But whose report are you going to believe? Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the God that created all things? One psalmist said, I'll lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord that created the heaven and the earth. And so are you going to believe the one who created all things? 
are you going to believe situations and and uh, the the ramblings and the the fear and the uh, of somebody who really doesn't trust God? I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to make sure that I am sticking with Him. And and so uh, when Joshua and Caleb were uh, come back, you know, when, or when they went in, they didn't look at the land like wow. You know, through just through their eyes, but they looked at it through the promises of what they had already seen and what they had already received. Because from the time that God brought them out of Egypt, uh, they had faced many obstacles, and God had always kept His word. Now, this was not like, "Hey, we're going into the promised land, and we don't know what God will do," because we've never seen Him do anything. Man, He had. Uh, God's not going to just ask you sometimes, uh, you know, hey, I know you don't know me. You're my child, but you don't know me, and you've never seen me do anything, so I need you to trust me. But he's already shown you what he'll do. And so when he uh, came down into Egypt to let them know, I'm, I'm sending Moses and this man. He's going to deliver, deliver you guys. We're going to get you out of Egypt. And he said, who do I tell them sent me? Tell them I am has sent me or, or sent you. And then they believed him. But then God proved them over and over again, miracles and signs. And, and he brought all these plagues upon Egypt. And every time he would do something to Egypt, they were always protected. And then at the very end where he gave them the Passover and they stayed in their house under the blood on the doorpost and on the side post and, and he killed all the firstborn of Egypt and, and then they get ready to go out and they spoil the Egyptians and take all this uh, treasure with them and they're heading out and they, they, they're going out of Egypt a lot richer than they were than when they got there and they're on their way out and God did this and they see it. They watch the pillar of fire and the cloud uh, leading them through the desert and through the wilderness, and then they get to the Red Sea, and now they're afraid again because all they see is water, and they know Pharaoh's coming up behind them. Just stand still and see the salvation of your Lord. And he opens up the Red Sea, and they cross through, and he closes the water up over Pharaoh and his army, and they're rejoicing and singing songs on the other side. And it just seems like time and time again, though, they can never, whenever they see a problem, they forget God. We're thirsting to death. You think God brought you out of Egypt to let you die of thirst in the desert? This pool of water is poison. It's bitter. And so God provides a, a tree and a branch, and it goes into the, the water, makes it sweet, and they have water there. And he's just over and over taking care of them. He's providing quail and manna and water out of the rock, and their clothes are not even rotten off their bodies. I mean, they're just taking care of all this time, and yet any time they see something a little adverse, they forget that God has brought them this far. But there was a couple of guys that said, oh, no, I remember what God has done. And I remember, and it what's amazing to me is that out of all these, the host of Israel, that 10 people could sway that whole congregation. Millions of people that just said, well, it's 10 to 2. Let me tell you, when God's on your side, you're always the majority. And you ought to always trust God above anybody. The Bible says it's better for us to put confidence in the Lord than put confidence in, in princes or in men and, and some trust in chariots and horses. But we're going to remember the name of our Lord because we know that all power in heaven and earth is given to him. And we know that he's always watching out for us. And, and we can have the promise, but we've got to remember to trust God. 
through every process, whatever it looks like, no matter what we see with our eyes, we've got to be like uh, Caleb when he said, we are well able to overcome it. No matter what you and I face, we are well equipped. We are well able to overcome anything that the world throws at us. That's why uh, the, the scripture teaches us in the New Testament, you know, we are more than conquerors through him. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we're not ignorant concerning our enemy's devices. We know what he's trying to do. And I still understand and know that uh, I have an adversary, the devil, that goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I'm not afraid of him because I am well able to overcome him because he has given me power after the Holy Ghost came upon me. And and he's given me the ability to, to walk in his word and to walk in his ways. And as long as I don't just keep looking at it through my mind, through my eyes, I can trust him. And so to uh, our report is important. What we say is important because it will determine the blessing that we receive. Your victory in, in, uh, is oftentimes in your voice. I believed, therefore have I spoken. The power of death and the power of life is in the tongue. Sometimes it's what we say that, that changes everything. And if we can say, uh, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, you have just set yourself up to overcome and receive a greater blessing than you ever had in your life. When Job said that, he was at his worst. He had lost everything, but he believed God. And he said, when he said words like that, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He has set himself up to overcome. He has set himself up to be blessed greater than he had ever been blessed before. Yes, we're going to face adversity when, when the promise comes. Anytime there's an opportunity for you to be blessed, you can believe that the enemy is going to try to cut that off. Let me stop them right here. Don't let them cross into that land. Don't let them uh, go into that, into that school. Don't let them go into that workplace. Don't let that Holy Ghost come into that home. He's trying to stop the work of God in your life. Because he knows if you get serious about seeking God, God's going to come through. Hey, the devil knows the scripture. And he knows that if any man seeks God with all his heart, he's going to find him. And man, when you find God, you're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. When you find him, you, you're about to find a place of repentance. You're about to find a place where you can be baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he knows that once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that he has got very little time to trip you up because your faith is going to start building. You're going to start believing. You're going to start trusting. You're going to start seeing miracles. And every time something comes up, you're going to remember. Let me tell you, if God brought me out of darkness in the marvelous light, he can bring me over this mountain. And we don't shy away from adversity and obstacles because we know that God's able to bring us over, to bring us through however he needs to do it. We, he, one writer said, through my Lord, I have run through a troop and I have left over a wall. I can get through it all when I trust him. And so to see his promise fulfilled, we must trust his report. We must trust his divine plan. And, you know, I think so many times, and I mention him often, uh, and a lot more lately it seems like, but that, that man, uh, Jairus, that came to, to Jesus because his daughter was sick. And on the journey, 
uh, when Jesus said, yeah, I'll go with you. Let's go, let's go, and we'll get her healed. And on the way there, they come and say, your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Now, he's either got to believe the Lord that's with him, or he's just got to take their word and just go on and, and grieve and, and plan a funeral. But instead, the Lord says, listen, don't be afraid. Only believe. She's dead. Only believe. I think I'll stick with him. And so he gets there, and oh, what a blessing it is because now that child that they uh, loved so much is raised back to life and given back to them. And he saw how God came through. Even though he had heard it, he knew it, he walked in the room and saw his daughter. I'm sure the sight, even with Jesus with him, the sight of his daughter laying on that bed was probably almost more than he could take. But Jesus just goes right over there, takes care of business, and, and she rises up, and man, now they're, they're just happy and, and, and loving life, and they've got a testimony. And let me tell you, I, I'm sure that it didn't matter what happened after that. If God can do this... We've seen him do it so many times, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still doing miracles. He's still doing signs and wonders, and he is still pouring out promises for his people. There are things yet for us to obtain, but we will not obtain them uh, just by waiting around, hoping they come by. This is not like... This is not like fishing. You're not just sitting out there hoping something will bite the line. Oh, I hope a miracle bites my eye. You get after it. You start seeking it. You start asking. You start seeking. You start knocking. You start praying. You start fasting. Because God's word said, when you fast, your Father will reward. When you pray, your Father will reward. When you give, your Father will reward. There's some, to get that promise, to get those blessings, there's some action that we need to take. Now, uh, to possess his promise, we've just got to pursue his plan. We can't just, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. A lot of people think, well, if I, just, if I believe the gospel, I'm going to be saved. Well, that's true if you go a little further and obey the gospel. Because the scripture says, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? So I can't just say, well, I believe it, and then leave it at that. I've got to obey the gospel. You know, when Philip was with that uh, eunuch on that chariot riding through the desert and he was preaching Jesus to him, as soon as they saw water, the guy stops. He's like, hey, here's some water. What's hindering me from being baptized? And so he said, well, if you believe, you can. But see, he knew I I can't just, oh, well, that's some water. And I could get baptized because he mentioned that. But I'm just going to keep on going because I believe. Uh, He said, if I believe... I've got to be baptized. I've got to obey the gospel. He believed it, and then he obeyed it. And God uh, sent him on his way rejoicing. Uh, We can't just believe and think, well, that's enough. We've got to obey the word of God. Saying, I believe, if I pray, God will answer is one thing, but praying and listening for an answer is another. Well, I believe what Jesus said in his word, then obey what Jesus said in his word so you can see the fruit of it. The promises of God. Now listen, God's love is unconditional. Ain't no doubt about that. He loves us all and he loves us no matter where we are. But the promises of God are conditional. And that's Bible all the way through. All the way through. Uh, he told Israel time and time again, he said, when you keep my commandments, these are the things that will come on you. Uh, but if you're going to rebel against me, then here's what, here's what you've got to look forward to. So uh, if we're going to have the promises of God in our life, we've got to keep the word of God and pursue his plan.
So the fulfillment of the promise is predicated upon our agreement, cooperation, and focus. When Caleb said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it, what he was saying, the land already belongs to us. Let's take it. Joshua and Caleb believed God's promise was true, and their faith was reflected in their response. And even Joshua illustrates this uh, years later, way years later, over 40 years later, when he finally goes into the promised land, and they come against Jericho. God tells him, Jericho is shut up because of you guys, because we're here. But I have given you the kings and the mighty men and all these things, but they're on the other side of the wall. But Joshua believed him. He said, march around this place for the next seven days. He said, on that last day, take seven laps and then give a shout and let's see what happens. And they didn't just say, well, if it's ours, let's just sit here and See what happens. They obeyed God. They marched around that building silent. Maybe, you know, maybe that was part of, I heard Brother Arnold, I think one time said, Joshua, maybe while they were silent, Joshua told him, I don't want none of you, I think he said, numb skulls saying nothing else. He said, last time y'all opened y'all's mouth, we wandered for 40 years. He said, I don't want nobody saying nothing for these, uh, these laps. And so, but they got around and when it was time to shout, they shouted and blew that trumpet and the walls came down and they walked up into Jericho and took that city, just like God said. But for them to possess that, they had to uh, obey what God had said to do. And they had to trust that God will do. And Joshua remembered, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Forty years ago, I knew that we could come in this land and take it. And how many people lost out and died and never saw that promise just because they would not believe God's report. So uh, we must develop a passion for the principle of pursuit. You can't be like, yeah, when I get to church on Sunday, I'll give it everything I got. What are we doing the rest of the week to prepare ourselves for this day? Uh, you know, it's uh, what am I doing uh, to get ready for uh, Sunday? What am I getting? You've heard me say this before. This this is the day it happens. You know, we're we're here. We have visitors. We have people coming in. People come in with needs. We need to be ready to possess the promise when we get here, because during the week we have fasted and prayed and sought God and 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 got our hearts ready to grab a hold of the promise. When we leave the house of God unchanged, it's not because God is not good, but it is often because we were not ready. We were not ready for the presence of the Lord. We were not ready for the outpouring of His Spirit. We were not ready when He walked in the room. So it's up to us. God is, is good all the time. Uh, he, you know, he's he's going to always be uh, doing what he does. He will always be God. And all the promises will always be with him. He doesn't just show up and say, well, I left my sack of blessings in heaven. But I'm here, so I'll just watch and see what y'all do, and nothing will happen. When, he, when we get together, when there are two or more gathered in his name, he's there in the midst. When people worship God in spirit and in truth, he said, I'm going to be seeking those kind of people. I'm going to see. And then it also says that he is always going about uh, through this land uh, just waiting to prove himself strong on behalf of those people that trust in him. So God's ready to do uh, everything that we're ready to receive if we're seeking it. 
if we're pursuing it, if we're really, that's why we can never treat this like some kind of job, like some kind of a club, like some kind of hobby, that, oh, I'm just going to come and I'm going to get up here and preach a little while and then we'll go out to eat and that's, that's good. It's good to see all my friends and people or, or we're going to come up and have a little concert and entertain everybody and things like that. We'll watch a video and we'll say, wow, we had some good church today. But that's why we come in and sometimes we get beside ourselves. That's why we encourage people to come and get in the prayer rooms and, and come and pray because we want to get our mind. It's time to leave everything else that happened on Saturday behind and, and get that out of my mind and get my mind on seeking God. Get my mind in a place of spirituality and not carnality. Uh, I don't need to be trying to worship God and all I can do is think about the Bulldogs got beat by South Carolina. I can't be sitting here, uh, you know, trying to get in touch with God, and all I can think about is, man, it'd be a good day to be sitting in a deer stand. Because it would be. You know, there's a lot of things that you could be doing, but this is God's day. This is the day we come to serve Him. This is the day we come to, to preach and worship and, and be changed and be touched and, and to be, not only be blessed, but be a blessing in the house of the Lord. This is where we come to see the miracles of God, to see the glory of God. And so uh, every promise must be pursued. The Bible says that Caleb said he had a different spirit than those other guys did because he believed the report of the Lord and he was willing to pursue it. And he came to Joshua when they finally get in that promised land. He's like, I'm just as strong as I was 40 years ago. I ain't lost a step. Give me my mountain. <laughs> Give me that land. I, I, can, I can take it. And so Joshua sent him on his way and let him go because he'd been waiting 40 years to get to that place. And it wasn't even his fault that he had to wander 40 years. There's a, a message in that about be, but be careful <laughs> about hanging out with faithless people. It might keep you from your promise. They didn't ever get that promise until that generation dropped dead in the wilderness. Uh, you don't want to have to let somebody just drop dead before you get your promise. But it, you may have to separate yourself from them before you get there. Mm -hmm. So in the case of the promised land, Moses, he didn't just accept you know, on, on that one merit. He, he did. He obeyed what God said to do. Send people in the land. He didn't argue with God and said, well, you've already promised us to us. Why can't we just, mm -mm. He said, we're going to follow my steps because I'm going to see if these people are going to even believe that I'm able to do this. And so they see giants and mean people in great cities and walled and fenced and terrible and come back talking about, hey, you know, we're just grasshoppers in their sight. And, and uh, the Lord was ready to destroy them. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do instead. For each day they spied out the land, they get to wander one year. So 40 years, they walk away from the promise and wander and wander. And that generation begins to drop and die in the wilderness, short of the promises of God. Walking around, being taken care of, being fed. Let me tell you, I want more than just... A temporary blessing. I want the promise. I want more than just a blessing. I want the promise. 
Jesus led them out before he went up into heaven. He said he led them out of the city, and he spoke with them and said, but he told them, he said, to go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, until you receive the promise of my Father, the promise. And then he blessed them, and then he ascended up into heaven. And then they turn back, and they, they're heading back. It says, with great joy. But there was, you know, somewhere 500 or so greater that had seen him. But there was only 120 in the upper room. Where's that 380 at? Some people are just satisfied with a blessing. But there's some people that said, I'm going to go wait for the promise. I'm going to tarry. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God until I get what he said I could have. And that's why 120 was there when that sound like a rushing mighty wind came sweeping in. That's why 120 had cloven tongues like fire sitting upon their head. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That's why that 120 took off and started turning the world upside down. That's why Peter stood up and he preached that message that started the church because in his adversity, of denying the Lord and doing things and being rebuked by the Lord. He never quit. He kept going. And he was there when he was supposed to be there because even though he he was heartbroken, he had made mistakes, he never, ever quit chasing God. When he saw Jesus and he realized it was him out there on the shore, he didn't wait for the boat to get there. He just dove in and swam on. He said, I've got to get to Jesus. He wanted the promise, and the promise has got to be pursued. And we we see this in the scripture all the time. It takes intention and effort on our part to seek after the promises of God. They're there. They're in this book right here. But you don't rub them on like a lotion. You can't shower with it like a shampoo and like, wow, it's there. You can't spray it on like cologne or perfume and everybody can tell you got it. You've got to open this book and read it and devour it and study it and believe it and pray it and seek it and search it. You got to live it. This is your road map for this life. But we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Here it is in black and white. I don't care what kind of cover, if it's got flowers on it, if it's red, white, and blue, or camouflage. It's what's on the inside, what's in there. Oftentimes I'll buy Bibles because like, wow, I love the way that looks. I like that cover. But I don't just sit it on the shelf and say, ain't that pretty? No, I open it up and I start reading it. And I start, because, man, what's good on, it's so good on the inside, of course the outside is going to be pretty. But you can tear the cover off of it as long as you got what's going on between these pages hid in your heart, living your life by it. We live by the word of God. Oh, boy. When this church, not just this church, but when the church, this church that he is building, begins to live by the word. That's what he intended his people all along. He said, I brought them out of Egypt, and I gave them word to live by that would be beneficial to them, that would bless them in every aspect of their life. And when we... Stop snacking. I'm a little hungry now. Have me a little snack. But when we start making this our meal plan, 
where we are uh, devoured, eating this word up and, and living by this word and, and realizing that, hey, I, no matter what the world thinks about me living like this, I'm going to live like this. We're going to see the promises of God on God's people, on God's church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against us. The things that we need to see happen are going to happen. God was always providing for their health, for their resources, anything they needed when they followed that word. And it is no different today. This cannot be a hobby. This cannot be a club. This has got to be a way, an intentional way of life. I choose to live by the word of God. Because any other way, it won't benefit you. But some people are sightseers. Some people are window shoppers. Some people are spectators. And they are fine doing that. Well, I just sit back and watch the show. Not me. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to be right in the middle of what God's doing. I want to be saturated with the Holy Ghost. I want the glory of God to fall on me. I want to be a part of the blessings of God. I want the miracles of God. But if I'm not seeking it, I'm not finding it. Because you can't, you, me, can't nobody beat God's word. I'm not just going to daydream myself into the blessings of God. I'm not going to sleepwalk into the miracles of God. But it's going to be by an intentional seeking and obedience to the word of God. Peter was a good fisherman, made a living at it. Didn't catch nothing one night. Jesus said, launch out into the deep and throw your net over there. Well, we fished all night, Jesus. In case you don't know, I am a fisherman. Know these waters pretty good. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll let the net down again. And when he did, there was so many fish in the net, they couldn't bring it in. It was breaking the net, and they had to call people to help them get it in. Let me tell you, when you do what God said to do, you can't contain. Give, and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. The Lord said in Malachi, he said, you just try me. Try me and see if I won't pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain it. I'll open up the windows of heaven on you so fast. I mean, God is waiting to bless his people. It ain't like I got to, oh God, I was just wondering if I could bother you for a blessing today. Man, he's sitting there with the bucket ready to go. He's just waiting on you and me to say, hmm, I'm going to pray. I'm going I'm to seek. I'm going to call out. I'm going to cry out. I'm going to knock. I'm going I'm to do whatever it takes to get it here. Everything that anybody received or got or was blessed by him is because they were obedient and followed his plan. He told them, guys, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. No idea what that meant, but because they did that, they were walking on water, casting out devils, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, feeding multitudes, all kind of things. They watched him die. They watched him resurrect. They watched him ascend up into heaven. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, all because they obeyed two words, follow me. I need a little more than that. That's all you got. Sometimes it might just be two words. Trust me. Believe me. Come on. Seek me. Ask me. Follow me. Mm -hmm. And then just them two words right there. Because of who it comes from. He cannot lie. It's impossible. The promises of God I've said it already, or in him, yay, and in him, amen. There, his word is forever settled in heaven. It won't change. And whoa, let me tell you, it'll be better than manna and quail. It'll be better than walking on water. But they didn't get none of that without obedience. I've said it before, God's a giver, but 
Somebody's got to gather. He poured manna out. It was on the ground. They could see it. They could see it from their tent. But you could sit in your tent and starve to death looking at the blessings of God. He said, you're going to have to get out and do something with it because it ain't but a little time and it's going to... Because when the sun got a little high up in the sky and it got hot, it vanished. So you better not be sitting around sleeping in on God. Get out and start gathering what God's laying out there. Start getting what God's got for you. He told that one man that had leprosy. He's such a great guy. He thought, man, the man of God's going to come out here. I ain't going to have to do nothing. He's just going to walk out, pop me in the head, and I'm going to be healed. I ain't going to come out there and see you. But what I do want you to do is go dip in the Jordan. As a matter of fact, I'll send this by my servant. Go tell him to dip in the Jordan River seven times. Got so mad over that. I shouldn't have to do that. I wonder if we do that sometimes. Well, I'm born again. I shouldn't have to pray anymore. Surely I shouldn't have to. Why should I have to miss a meal? I love eating. Why is God going to deprive me of things I love? I shouldn't have to go to church all the time or read every day. I wonder if we think that we're so good on our own that we don't have to do things. We're not. We've got to seek God every day. But that man finally, somebody convinced him, said, look, at the worst, you'll just be wet, and then you'll still be mad, and you're just going home. But why don't you try it out and see what happens? So he goes and he dips seven times and his flesh comes back new and he's healed of leprosy and he's rejoicing, praising God now because, wow, man, isn't that something? He learned right quick, if I'll get over myself and just obey the word, I can get the promise. Oh, that's it, church. When we get over our humanity, when we get over ourself and just start trusting God, we're going to see the miracles of God. James 4 and 8 told me to draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to me. But uh, it didn't just say, God's going to get close to you. He said, you go get closer to God and he's going to get closer to you. You don't ever move toward him that he don't move toward you. But when you stop, he'll stop. And he'll stay right where he's at. You know, Bartimaeus cried out and screamed out. He was blind. He couldn't see him. He just heard that he was coming. So he, I got to use, it's the only thing I can do. So he began to cry out. Cry out so loud that people was like, man, would you be quiet? But it says as Jesus was coming through there, and he heard him and said that he stopped right there. I'm not going to walk past him crying out. I'm not going to walk. He's seeking me. He's wanting something. He's desiring. And instead of just thinking, you think Jesus didn't know he was sitting on that corner? Yeah, I'm just going to see if this blind man's how bad he wants that healing. Now, I could just walk on by. If he sits there with his mouth shut, Jesus is going to keep traveling. But because he would cry out and, 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 and cry out for God and, and in faith, uh, you know, have mercy on me, thou son of David. Called him out. He stopped. Heals him. Bartimaeus is never the same. How close it was is either one way or the other. I can keep my mouth shut and sit here for the rest of my life, or I can begin to seek God and cry out, and my life can be changed forever. Bartimaeus chose to be changed. Honey, you can come to the music. I, I didn't get all the way far as I wanted to. One. This man said that 
you know, Lord, my my soul longeth for you, or it pants for you like the the heart pants after the water brook. That, that word pant means to to long for, and you gotta long for God. He said, my soul. That's the way my soul it longs for you, God. See. Some people just want the benefits of God without having to do anything at all. They, you know, it's, it's just like a lot of Israel. They, it wasn't even about serving God to them. They just didn't want to be slaves anymore. But they didn't want to be obedient to God. And just like that deer is longing for that water, he said, my soul longs for you. It's not just... You know, I want the things that will satisfy me. He said, I, I want you. Because if I have you, I'll have everything I need. And so uh, a deliberate search for God is going to get us into the promises of God. And that's how we're going to possess them. Not by waiting you know, for God to throw us a pass that we'll catch it in the end zone. No, we're going to be seeking after God, calling on his name, digging in his word, praying and fasting there needs to be revival of prayer and fasting in the lives of God's people we, 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 we're putting too much pressure on service church service to give us every single thing we need and it was never in its own shell designed to do that it, it was never meant for hey just show up and, and listen we're going to get prayer. That's why he said there's some things that only come forth by prayer and fasting. You can walk in here because they, they, they were his disciples. How come we couldn't do this? Because sometimes it ain't about just who you are. It's about what you're doing. So you've been born again. That's awesome. What are you doing with the new life that he gave you? How are you cultivating that and, and, and uh, doing all that you can? How, are you trying to grow in Him? Are you trying to get closer? Or is it like, well, got my ticket going to heaven. I don't want to be like that. Jesus mentioned that the kingdom of heaven was like a pearl of great price and a merchant. When he found that pearl, he had to go all in. He knew what that pearl would provide him. It'll be everything I've ever wanted, everything I've ever needed. I will not long for anything else. But the only way that I can have it is I've got to sell it all. And he sold everything he had so he could get that one. He went all in. He was committed totally to it. And because he was, he got, he obtained that pearl of great price. Jesus said that if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lose my life for your sake... You'll find it. Take up the cross daily and follow me. See, there's a difference between following and sitting on the bench waiting on him to come by. He said, follow me. I might not be by this way again. You better follow me. Let's stand together. I'm excited about what God's got for the church as a whole. I've been listening to testimonies from other churches and how God's blessing and moving and, and it's happening here as well. But I am so excited about what God's going to do in each individual as we begin to seek God 
and search him out and, and lay hold on the promises. Listen, it's not silliness and it's not a fairy tale. This book's real. If, if what you believed out of it uh, washed your sins away and filled you with his spirit, it'll do the rest of it too. And so, let me tell you, just devotion to this word is going to change your life forever. People won't understand it. Maybe that's why we try to tone it down sometimes because it's going to make you stand out. But I don't mind standing out. Eternity's coming. And it's not just coming for me. It's coming for somebody. And maybe I'm the key to helping somebody make the right choice for eternity. So I I can't afford to be shy and, and back down because people will look at me. Listen, they're coming for the church anyway. The world, the government, the, the politics are coming for the church anyway. So you might as well go ahead and, and, and pick the side you're on and, and live for God and live by his word because uh, it's either because you know what they want? They either want you to, uh, they don't want you to just say, well, I'll just calm down. They want you to either be with them or be with the church. There ain't no middle ground. Either deny it. What are we going to do when they ask us to deny it? Got to be, got to have it fixed in your heart. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray. Oh, God, we know that there's promises coming for your people. And we thank you for it. Lord, help us to be asking and seeking and knocking. Lord, I know that you said that, Lord, that you would not withhold your spirit from those that ask you for it. We're seeking the spiritual things of of your word we're seeking the promises Lord and we thank you for filling us with the Holy Ghost and and giving us direction and comfort and peace and helping us in times of adversity and Lord no matter what we see no matter what we spy out in the land we're going to remember that we're well able to overcome it we're well able to take it that this land is promised to us This, this promised land is ours Lord by your word that's forever settled in heaven healings and blessings and deliverance and are ours salvation is ours according to your holy word and Lord we're going to seek it and we're going to find it Lord we praise you for these things in Jesus name amen give the Lord a hand make up your mind I'm going to I don't want to just see the promise I'm going to possess the promise it's going to be mine praise the Lord let's find a place and, and pray before the next service expecting just great things from the Lord God bless you